Do you enjoy your Monday through Friday? You enjoy those times? I do. I enjoy uh, most especially the, the mornings of my Monday through Fridays, probably my most favorite time um, during the week, uh, that 7.30 time frame where uh, my boys are ready for school and we get into the truck and before we even get out of the driveway, we turn on the Ninja Turtles theme song. And it's not just the theme song with words. No, this is the instrumental version. So we listen to just instrumental songs that are on Ninja Turtles, the movie, and they love it. And they know every single track by name. And about midway to school, uh, we begin having conversation about life and we go through some catechism questions or, you know, we pray together. And that, that's a precious time for me. I really enjoy that fellowship. And then as we get closer to the school, after about our 15 to 20 minute drive, depending upon traffic and exactly what time we left and can we ever get out of our neighborhood, um, we drive it to the school. And I am so glad to see a certain individual every day when we drive it to the school. And that's our police officer who is the acting traffic guard. And he is waving everyone through, telling those to stop and those who may go right and turn into the school. That would be me. I enjoy that because when he's out there, that means that I can get into the school parking lot and I can go and I can drop off my son and I can say, I love you, goodbye, give him a hug. He's gone. I get back out of the parking lot and back onto the road in less than two minutes. It's wonderful. I got it timed down. I mean, if it's a minute, I mean, we're really hopping, okay? Everybody's on their game that morning. It's good. But if the traffic guard happens to not be there that day, everything changes. It's, it's traffic backed up. In fact, I know it before we even get close to the school <laughs> because of the traffic that's backed up. I will be in that parking lot for 20 minutes. And I mean, it's just a time where maybe I'll make a phone call or, or I'll go into a time of prayer because of my frustration. <laughs> uh, but I'm most grateful for that traffic guard. What does he stand as a representative of? Because he says, I'm out. I don't want to be here right now. Then everything's chaotic. And it takes is a jumbled mess. Everybody continues on the highway and we're waiting to just somebody to show some mercy to us so we can get on the road and get to work. But see, he is there to instruct. He is there to direct. He is there to point attention to where attention is needed and to say, okay, now you may go in this direction. It is now your turn. That's kind of how Paul is here in Galatians. He is writing to the churches in Galatia. And he's saying, let me instruct you on a few things, because if not, it's going to be chaotic. And it's going to be chaos, and, and you're going to be living in disobedience. Because somebody has come to you, and they said, now that you're Christians, now you can live by the law perfectly. Live by the law. Look to the law. Be perfect every day. And Paul's saying, no, you are not bound by the law. You are under grace because you're under grace, I'm going to direct your attention. I'm going to tell you which way to go. And you continue to stay on this path. And that is to look to Jesus as we began our service singing today. Look to Jesus. So aren't you grateful that God used Paul to come to the Galatians, to write to them and say, look to Jesus. And for us today, we need to look to Jesus. Last week, um, we began kind of a, a mini two-part series. This is part two of it today. But in the first part, when justified through faith in Christ, our main point, we have one point, and that was this. Salvation is not merited through the law, but gifted through faith 
in Jesus Christ. So we talked about justification and kind of the overall theme of walking away. We said that we are justified before we are sanctified. Now, I may be using some words for you that you just don't throw around in your normal conversation. Justification, sanctification, I mean, maybe you do. Maybe that's just normal vocab for you. I don't know. But let me give you a few definitions just in case it's not, and we can all be on the same page today. Paul emphasized these three familiar truths throughout his letters. First, we see justification. What does justification mean? That is that we have been saved from the penalty of sin. Justification is that we've been saved from something. It's something that has already happened. And that is through the works of Jesus Christ and him paying the penalty for us on the cross. So our sin has been paid for. It's already been done. So when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, it means we have been justified. We stand as righteous. It's a positional righteousness before God. Justification. But then comes sanctification. And if I were to give you a time frame from the difference between justification and sanctification, I can't do that. I mean, they're so closely related. When you are sanctified, sanctified means that we are being saved from the power of sin. So when you're sanctified, as you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are set apart from the power of sin, that which used to hold you prisoner, used to hold you captive. You had no will other than to surrender to it. You you were a sinner under the dominion of Satan. And you have been set free from that dominion. You've been sanctified. And this sanctification is kind of an ongoing process while you're here on this earth, meaning that every day you are being saved from the power of sin. And we have that through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So at salvation, God puts the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit is already at work in us when we have faith to trust in Jesus Christ. And as the Holy Spirit is at work, the Holy Spirit is leading us to not sin. Because without the work of the Holy Spirit, we will continue to sin. And that's what Paul is emphasizing here. He says, it's not the law that you live by, but you live under grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is sanctification, being saved from the power of sin every day. And then this word glorification. This is something that we look forward to. One day we will be saved from the presence of sin. One day we will live without sin. There will be no presence of sin. So that means that currently we do live in the presence of sin. So we trust in the sanctification, the work of the Holy Spirit on us, that one day there will be glorification We receive glorified bodies, bodies that are not capable of sinning, bodies that are not capable of falling apart or dying or not dealing with the flu. Amen. (laughs) That flu has swept through South Georgia, I believe. This is glorification, being saved from the presence of sin. So with understanding these familiar truths, we look at part two today of being justified through faith in Christ. And we're going to look at three things today, okay? Three truths. One, our justification in Christ exposes our sin. Number two, our justification in Christ instructs us to die to the law so that we may live unto God. And number three, our justification in Christ leads us to live a life of faith in Christ. So let's break these three things down together today, shall we? Number one, 
Justification in Christ exposes our sin. Look in verse 17 with me again. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. I love that. I love when Paul comes back and he asks this rhetorical question and then he answers it uh, in the affirmative. And he's saying, certainly not, man, because you sin, that doesn't make Jesus a servant of sin. But before we get to that last part, let's look at this. In our endeavor, this word endeavor, zeteo in the Greek, it means to seek, to look for, to desire. It's the same word that we see that when we ask and we seek, we shall find. And it's through the regenerate hearts by the grace of God when he calls us that we seek to be justified in Christ. It's when you truly desire Jesus. When you say, I want to follow Christ. That may be your testimony today. You say, I have had a time in my life when I realized I was a sinner before God and I took my sin to God and said, I've sinned. I've sinned against you. I want Jesus. I have that desire. That is what I seek. That's what we're seeing here. When you look for, when you desire this in your endeavor to be justified in Christ, knowing that the only way you can be good is to die to yourself and trust in Jesus. That's seeking him. One commentary says it this way. The attempt to be justified in Christ awakens the consciousness of sin and compels the Jew to put himself on the plane of the Gentile. The Jew who calls the Gentile a sinner in seeking to be justified by faith is forced to admit that he is a sinner also. He has found that the law has failed him as a justifying agency. So what's the problem here? What is Paul addressing? He's saying, hey, with Peter and these men who came from James, as we saw in the earlier text, they're saying, hey, we can uphold the ceremonial law. We need to separate ourselves from the Gentiles. They're the sinners. We're not so much the sinners. That was what they were falling into, that false line of thinking. But if you're to come to Christ, and if a Jew is to come to Christ, and he is to seek Christ through the grace of God, and he is to say, I'm a sinner, he must confess that, that he is a sinner. It means he is equal with the Gentile. And that the law fails as a justifying agency. Why does the law fail as a justifying agency? Because we all fail the law. We've all broken the law. Romans 3, 9. Paul asks the question, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. Everyone is under sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Why does the law fail as an agency of justification? Because we fail the law. We cannot uphold it. Our works have failed us as a justifying agency. Maybe that's how you see life, that your works will uphold you before God. That God thinks kindly of you or shows favor to you because of your works. But that's not what we see in this passage. Our works, we, we fail in them. They're not a justifying agency. There's not a person in this room who can stand confident in their own works. You can only stand confidently in the works of Jesus Christ. That is justification. But there was a struggle 
as this news was being spread, this good news, the gospel. Because Jews viewed Gentiles as sinners, as dogs. They viewed them as dogs. Now, when I say dogs in reference to today, you think, that's not so bad. I love dogs. I have a cute little dog at the house. Maybe you have a dog that you like to cut their little hair and walk them on a little leash. And when you get home, you snuggle up to them. You say, I love you. Give them a little kiss. It's so cute. Rub little noses with them. Yeah. Okay. Men don't, act, men don't act like you don't do that. All right. You have your cute little dogs. Some of you have your hunting dogs like little Ann and old Dan. From where the red fern grows. They're your buddies. You love them. You care for them. There is a bond there. I mean, we have our heroes like Lassie. He doesn't enjoy watching the classics of Lassie. We're not talking about those kind of dogs. I mean, we're talking about nasty mutts. One eye, I mean, matted, greasy hair, fleas. I mean, you go to want to adopt a pet, you see this one, you say, uh-uh, no way, No. I don't want that dog. That's what we're talking about. They saw the Gentiles and they said, I will kick you. Get out of my face. You are a nuisance. That's how they viewed other people. Not as cute little pets. No. As someone who was disgusting. And they say, if I admit that I'm a sinner, then I am that dirty, nasty dog in the dirt with fleas. I don't want to be on that level. That's the level we all fall to when the reality of our sin hits us and we see that we need Christ. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Paul's saying we're all dogs. We're wretched sinners, but not Christ. Christ is not a dog. No, he is deity in human flesh. And he upheld the law. That's what he came to do. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to uphold the law. And he did it. He finished the work. Matthew 5, 17. Jesus said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And he did. Romans 10, 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So for those of you who, even here today, you may think that the law pertains to you, that you must uphold all of the law. Let's just take the moral law, and you're trying to uphold these commandments. And you're looking to other people to uphold these commandments, and as soon as they break a commandment, man, they go a little bit lower on the tier for you, a little bit down the ladder. they got to work themselves back up towards a little more favorable righteousness. Say, no, Christ is the end of the law. He has fulfilled the law. So our sin does not make Christ any less Savior, is what Paul is saying. No, that's crazy talk. In fact, all the more he is our Savior because we can never save ourselves. So in Christ, we find our righteousness leading us to repent of our sin, a faith leading to justification. That's what we're seeing here in this passage today. Also a very familiar passage when we look at our justification is found in Romans 10, 9 through 13. 
Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. People say, how, how can I be saved? What must I do to be saved? Do you believe that you're a sinner? And do you believe what Jesus Christ came to do on this earth? Do you believe what he did on the cross? Do you believe these things? Do you fully believe them? So we're saying if you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And he's saying, oh, but I have. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how you finish that sentence. Because what we want to say is this is what I've done. Exactly. He knows what you've done. But focus on what he's done. So we saw last week. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And this happens together. As the Holy Spirit works in your heart to regenerate that old, cold, stone, dead heart, to make it come alive, that you may be aware of your sin. And as you come to this awareness and your need for Christ, you repent, you confess. So if there's a heart change, there is a confession. And with a confession, that means that there's a heart change. They're both working together here. Verse 11, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Is that your fear today? That you will be ultimately put to shame for your works? But for everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh, there was power in that. Whether Jew or Greek, you're all dogs. We've all failed. We're all wretched. Our only hope is Jesus Christ. And so a justified person is declared righteous in Christ while he is still a sinner. So back up on that a minute. What, what do you mean? It means that you're not working to attain righteousness. While you're still in your sin, you are made righteous. You are declared righteous up front because of the works of Jesus. I, I'll say that over and over today, that you get that as you leave this place. You say, how can I be righteous? Because of Jesus. It's always Jesus. That's where your righteousness is. R.C. Sproul continues with this. He says, this does not mean that a justified person is an unchanged person. An unjustified person has no saving faith and is unregenerate. A justified person is a regenerate person and is a person who possesses faith. However, though the believer is regenerated and possesses faith, neither his regeneration nor his faith makes him instantly righteous inwardly. The regenerate, believing, justified person still sins. To be sure, the process of sanctification has begun, and he is inwardly being brought into the conformity to the image of Christ. But he is declared just by God before that process is completed. We are justified before we are sanctified fully. So as the sanctification is continuing to work in us and as the pieces are being put back together so that we can clearly reflect the image of God, that's the work of Christ Jesus in us. As that's working, we have already been declared righteous. We're not in a process of waiting before we're declared righteous. You are already declared righteous when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. 
That's the first thing, is that justification in Christ exposes our sin. And that's a good thing when it exposes our sin. We say, yes, I have sinned. I have sin in my life. I find that it is only in times when others confess their sins that that leads other people to step forward and say, I too have sinned. Whereas many times we keep our sin hidden. But maybe when somebody has fallen into sin and they have no choice but to be exposed, that's when others come along and say, hey brother, hey sister, I too, I've struggled with that sin. Our sin is exposed as we look to have justification in Christ. And we can confess our sin because we know that our righteousness is in Jesus. And what does it do? What does that confession do of our sin? It's so that we'll be healed. It's so that we will be healed. We all have a sin problem in this room. (laughs) Let's face it. We're all together in that. But we do have one to look to. And the only one that we look to is Jesus Christ. Which leads to number two. Justification in Christ instructs us to die to the law so that we may live unto God. Do you want to live? Answer that. Let me know you're awake. Do you want to live? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I want to live too. I want to live unto God. I don't want to just live. I want to live unto God. Every day, living unto God, glorifying him, having a purpose on this earth. That's the life I want to live. I don't want to live a day by day by day saying, what what am I doing here? Where am I going? What's going to happen? Why, Why am I doing these things? Why am I going through the routine? Some of you right now may hate your routine. You may see no purpose in your routine, and you're looking for something different. <laughs> but you can have joy in your routine, your day-to-day life, living unto God. But it's this justification in Christ, being made right in Christ, which instructs us to die to our works, die to the law, that we may live unto God. Verse 18, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. So Paul continues on. He's saying, listen, if we must live by the law, then I've got to go back and tear down everything or build back everything I just tore down. Because there is no dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile anymore. But if Peter and James, these men from James, if they're going to act like sitting at a table, they're better than the Gentiles then I've got to go back and I've got to collect some stones and I've got to rebuild what I tore down and that's going to make me a transgressor. That means that everything I've preached to you, Gentiles, everything that I've told you, churches of Galatia, was heresy. There's no grace of God. No, there's Jesus Christ and then there's living by a law. No. He says, I, I would have to go back and, and do that all over again. Build things up that I've already torn down. Ephesians 2, 14 through 18 Paul says to the church at Ephesus, he says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Jew, Gentile, he came and he died to put to death that hostility between you. It is his grace that you live by. 
One is not more important than the other, as we said last week. So he's not picking back these stones and he's not putting a dividing wall of hostility. No, he is making sure that that wall stays down. Because our confidence is never in the flesh, but it's always in Christ Jesus. With our confidence in Christ Jesus, that means we put to death our flesh daily. When we repent to follow Jesus Christ, you're saying, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means when you repent of your sin and you trust in Jesus Christ to save you of that sin so that you can be brought into a right relationship with God. When that happens, you're putting your flesh to death. You're saying, I can't do it. I can't do it. But Christ can, and Christ did. And when that happens, you die. But daily in Christ, you put your flesh to death. We'll said it a couple of weeks ago. It is, it is the mortification of the sin in us, putting it to death daily. The things that we still desire of the flesh. If this is to happen, if we're to have any victory in this, to look more like Christ as we walk on this earth, it begins by dying to the law so that we might live to God. And we need to be careful in reading this and what this means. It means I'm dead to the law, that I might live unto God. Where the opposite was taught from the false apostles who said, if you do not live to the law, you are dead unto God. No. We are not bound by this law. but We are saved by grace. And the law was never meant to save man. Salvation has always been in Christ. Always. You maybe think today that if I were to ask you this one-on-one and I would say, how are the people in the Old Testament saved? Your answer may be the law. And that answer would be wrong. You may say the lambs that were slaughtered, the goats. That answer would be wrong. A physical lamb, a physical goat, has never saved you of your sins. All that was a foreshadowing of the one who was to come, putting their faith in God. As we said, when you put your faith in Christ, God has already been at work in your heart. And he did the same work with the people in the Old Testament as well. It's that they looked forward to the cross with faith. Not knowing what it would all look like, didn't have the clear picture of what we look back on and see now. But it's always been in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the only way. He's always been the only way. In fact, we see this even with Abraham. Romans 4, 9 through 12. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a big deal. They say, hey, I'm circumcised. I'm one of his. But Abraham was one of his before circumcision. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So it's not about circumcision. It's not about the physical things. It's not about the law. None of that saves. It's faith in God. 
And that's always with a hope, with his provision. And that is Christ Jesus. Always been the same. And for Paul, as he looks to the law, listens to the law, even himself tried to live by the law, he realizes, I can't live by the law. I must die to the law. I must die to my works. I must die to my striving to uphold these works in order to find justification before the Father. Let's be clear. We're talking about justification today. Our righteous standing. So our righteousness. I think it's been clear. It's not through the works. It's not through the law. It's what Martin Luther said about the law. It says, Paul does not only refer to the ceremonial law, but to the whole law. We are not to think that the law is wiped out. It stays. It continues to operate in the wicked. But a Christian is dead to the law. For example, Christ by his resurrection became free from the grave. And yet the grave remains. Peter was delivered from prison, yet the prison remains. The law is abolished as far as I'm concerned when it has driven me into the arms of Christ. Yet the law continues to exist and to function, but it no longer exists for me. So what was the law good for? It's to drive us to Christ to the point where we say, I can't do it. But Christ did. So the second thing we see is that justification in Christ instructs us to die to the law so that we might live unto God. And this is good news that Jesus came so that we might live unto God, which leads us to number three. Justification in Christ leads us to live a life of faith in Christ. So do you see the pattern that Paul is working through? It exposes our sin, calls us to die so that we may live. That's salvation. Our sin is exposed, we die to ourselves, we live unto Christ. So justification in Christ leads us to live a life of faith in Christ. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. That would be tragic. See, through our death in Christ, we have received resurrection in Christ. Christ lives in me. Paul says it to the Philippians in 3, 8, and 9. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That word rubbish is a dirty word. <laughs> it's dirty. It says it's worthless. thrown out. Why? In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. You see this in the people who depend on their righteousness in Christ. You see it in their humility. You see it in their love for others. But those who live by law are proud. They're boastful. They boast of the things that they have gained. But those who have righteousness in Christ boast in what they have gained through Christ. I've gained Christ. What else do I need? Have you gained Christ? Where you sit today, have you gained Christ? 
you're to gain Christ, first you must die to self. But with every dying to self, with every death, there is a resurrection to follow. Romans 6, 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Kind of get this picture. When somebody wakes up and they're grumpy, students maybe when you're at school and one of your friends comes in and they're just in a bad mood, what do you say to them? Man, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed today right? Where'd that phrase come from? It's thought that it came from the Romans, Augustus Caesar and others who uh, were superstitious. They believed that you only woke up on the right side of the bed. If you woke up on the left side of the bed, it would bring you bad luck. So they're saying, hey, you woke up on the wrong side. You need to wake up on the right side of the bed. That's one theory of it. We use it to say, hey man, maybe you need to go back and get in bed and, and try this over again. So a little better attitude, a little bit nicer to people. And in our lives, we have those days. You may be having that day today where you're not feeling it. You're not feeling saved. You're not feeling righteous. You feel the exact opposite. And the idea is not to go back and crawl into bed and try it all over again. No, it's to die to the flesh today. To die to the flesh. See, that's what we receive through our justification. We have a righteousness in Christ, but as we continue on in this earth, we know we still deal with our sin, and we must be killing that sin daily. And so that's why we don't ride with our emotions, with our feelings. When people say, I'm not feeling it, I want to feel it. No, trust in the promises. Trust in the truth of what Christ has accomplished. It's not all about feeling. It's not all about emotion. In fact, you may walk away today going, I don't feel good. I don't feel good with what I've heard. Because what I've just heard is that I'm a sinner. And that I'm bad news. And I'm a dirty old mutt. And that does not bode well for my self-esteem. You know what I say to that? Good, good, that's good. You say, I don't like you even more now. Okay. <laughs> Why do I say good? Because I've come to the same conclusion. I've come to the same conclusion. Man, I don't want you walking out of here holding your head up high thinking you got this. No, Christ has this. Your righteousness is in him. And there are gonna be days when you don't feel it, Christian, and that doesn't mean you tap out and say, today, it's a flesh day. Today, I'm just going to live in the flesh, man. <laughs> I'm just forfeiting. I'm just letting everybody know. I'm going to be living in the flesh, going to eat up some flesh today. Here it is. No. The good news is, is that when you realize you're walking in the flesh, you can put that to death through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says. He says, in the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's it right there. That is it right there. That's the life we live. Because we still live in the flesh. When Christ lives in us, that doesn't mean that Christ personally, himself, bodily form, lives in us. No. We've been given the Holy Spirit. Every Christian in this room, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. 
So that when you leave this place, you go and you are Christ in whatever place you're in. And when you go to that side of town, you are Christ on that side of town. When you go to your jobs this week, you are Christ in those jobs. When you're in your homes, you're Christ in your homes. When you're in your car, you're Christ in the car. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Christ lives in you. This is the work of Christ being done through the Holy Spirit. And Christ said even greater things are going to happen when the tutor comes, when the teacher comes, when the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. So you still live in the flesh. So as we live in this flesh and we battle daily in holiness, we're reminded that our justification is this, that our debt has been paid and righteousness has been added to our account. Let me be clear on this because maybe there was a little bit of confusion last week and, and I don't want you to be confused on this. When we talk about our debt has been paid, can I see it like a bank account? All right, you, you have a debt. Right, you're in the red. I mean, way in the red. Never going to be able to pay it back. And Christ took that debt. He took all your sin, the sin that you have committed, uh, are committing, and will commit, all this sin, and he paid for it in full, which means that that debt has been recovered, leaving you at a zero balance. But that isn't all. That's not all to justification, that your debt has been paid, but positionally his righteousness is upon you. All the good works that Jesus did his righteousness has been placed on you so you can be declared righteous. So it's not that you just don't have debt, that you don't have sin against God, but that you can boast in the works of Jesus Christ because it's been placed on you. It's in your account. That's good news. That's confidence. So when Satan comes and he lies to you, or not lies to you, tells you the truth and reminds you of your sin, Oh yeah, you're still struggling with that sin, aren't you? You're holy, you're a Christian, and yet you still struggle with that sin? Yeah, you still struggle with that jealousy? Yeah, you still want what all your friends want? Yeah, I see that. You call yourself a Christian. You sinner. You say, you're right. I still struggle with this, but my righteousness is in what Christ has done. And when you can confess that, you're looking to Jesus. You are then looking to Jesus. Not that you can continue to struggle with that sin of jealousy that we just called out, no. But that you realize, I have righteousness in Christ. I know that I still struggle with this. I'm going to put this to death today so that I no longer have to deal with that jealousy today. If, if I may, just talk about sanctification for a minute. And it's kind of a little side note, but I just, I just want to tell you, look, we think that we've conquered sin when maybe we haven't dealt with it for two weeks. I feel like I'm, I'm, I don't normally say it like this, but I'm going to say it like this. I feel like I'm talking to some of you today who are, who are dealing with this right now. You've, you've had victory for maybe two weeks or three weeks. You haven't struggled with a particular sin and you're going, maybe I'm done with this. Maybe I'm done with this forever. And then all of a sudden you fall to it again and it leaves you just in despair. You're going, am I a Christian? I mean, am I really a Christian? Why, why, why did I struggle with this again? How could I? Because that fight is not over until you are gone from this earth. And if you struggle with it again, get back up and look to Jesus. Know your righteousness is in him and go and sin no more. Meaning, hey, die to it tomorrow. 
and then the next day die to it again in hopes that the next day you die to it again because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in you, giving you the strength to die to it. Christ lives in you and this will be seen in your works. So maybe if you left last week and, and you were convinced that, okay, my righteousness in Christ, it doesn't matter what works I do. No, if Christ is in you, this will be seen in your works. Works does not produce salvation. Salvation produces works. Can we be together on that? Works does not produce salvation, but it is salvation that produces works. I love how Luther puts it. He says, when we have become righteous, then first are we able and willing to do good. The tree makes the apple. The apple does not make the tree. It's a good way of putting it. How foolish would it be to go take the apple and say, oh, an apple, wow, that tree came from this apple. Amazing. No. That tree made the apple. Our righteousness in Christ makes the apples, it makes the fruit. Our salvation makes the fruit, makes the works. Yes, works are important, but it comes from the salvation. It's not for the salvation. It's the Spirit at work in us so that Christ may penetrate this culture through every individual of this local body. Luther goes on to say that by faith, you are cemented to Christ, that he and you are as one person, which cannot be separated, but remains attached to him forever. I love that, cemented to Christ, because some days you feel very far from Christ. You feel very far from Christ. But no, you are cemented to him. So abide in him. Draw near to him. So what does this look like? Let me give you an example as we prepare to close here. There's a young lady who attended our church about two years ago. And um, her husband went to community group, nighttime, and was with some other believers. And he wanted to follow Jesus. He was following Jesus. And there's a guy by the name of Michael Root. Time out. Let me give a shout out to Michael Root. Michael Root, you're in Pakistan. You're listening to this message on delay. We love you, brother. And you're a part of this story. Okay, back in. Here we go. Michael Root and some others were ministering to this family. But this gentleman who was coming to the community group, his, his wife didn't want to have anything to do with it. She wasn't a believer. She didn't want to come to church. She didn't get it. This was just under two years ago. But all of a sudden, she starts coming around, and she starts getting around believers who were studying the Bible and praying together. And she starts observing their lives, and she sees the work, she sees the fruit in their lives, and she's drawn to come to this local church. And all of a sudden, she begins to hear, and she begins to ask questions. And then there comes that time, or came that time when she repented to follow Christ. And that was just about over a year ago, not, not very long ago. She was baptized not long ago here. But listen to this. This is what happened in their life this past week. She says, God is great. Yesterday morning was very scary for my husband and myself. We had only been 31 weeks, I went into labor. With constant prayer and giving everything to God, we welcomed Paisley at 7.43 p.m., weighing three pounds, nine ounces, 17 and a half inches long. She was born being able to breathe on her own. She will stay in the native intensive care unit for four to five weeks to help her grow. 
But God is continuing to bless our family, and for that we are forever grateful. Our purpose is to glorify his name, and by trusting in him, having faith in his son, Jesus Christ, and sharing his grace with others, we can do that. He is an amazing father that loves his children. And then she quoted Deuteronomy 31a, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I find that most encouraging. That somebody a year and a half, two years ago, didn't want to have anything to do with Christ. And now it's saying our purpose is to glorify his name and by trusting in him, having faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Wow. She is cemented to Christ. Her righteousness is in Jesus, and now the works are being seen. This is encouragement for all of us today, and this is encouragement for you today. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're saying, but the things I've done, bring everything that you've done, all your sin, and confess that to God today, and be saved. Today, be saved. Don't walk out of this door carrying your sin any longer. Repent. Trust in Christ. Trust that he died for you. And that he will be your righteousness. And that all your boasts will be in Christ. That no matter what you face, no matter what you endure here on this earth, you can advance through it. Because of Christ. Have salvation in Jesus today. Will you repent and trust Jesus today right where you are? Jesus, you are Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Trust in Christ today. To end this, verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Listen, it's either all of Christ or none of Christ's work. It's either all of Christ's work or none of Christ's work. It's not some of Christ's work and some of our work meshed in together for our salvation. No, it's either all of Christ or none of Christ. Because if righteousness were through the law, if it's something that we could attain, then Christ died for no purpose. And let me guarantee you this, God did not waste his son. God did not make a bad purchase. He made a most necessary purchase. When we sang about the blood of Jesus earlier and Clint did the whole step back thing and we were the choir and we were singing, right? Your voices sounded great. And we were singing about the blood of Jesus over and over. We're talking about the blood of Jesus. You may be here and that may just sound weird to you about the blood of Jesus. But no, that blood of Jesus made a purchase. A purchase. And if you were in Christ, you have been Blood purchased. And that blood was not wasted. It is meant to make you new. And does make you new. So that we as Christians can admit that we are broken, sinful people being put back together by the grace of God through the work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So, our justification in Christ exposes our sin. It instructs us to die to the law so that we may live unto God, and it leads us to live a life of faith in Christ. And I encourage you, church, go and live a life of faith in Christ this week, knowing that you have been justified by the good works of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for our time together in the Word. And Lord, as we come to a close in this passage, this two-part series that we've had together, may we have a better understanding of justification that it is all in the works of Jesus that we can stand before you as not guilty, but also as good, as righteous. 
Lord, we thank you for this positional righteousness this, that will lead us to have confidence each day through the power of the Holy Spirit to go and do good works. Father, will you work mightily among us at this time? As you're praying, I'm just going to ask this question. If there's anybody in here that wants to follow Jesus today, based on what you've heard, you say, I, I want to be justified in Christ. I want to follow Christ today. I'm just going to ask you to do something today. I'm going to ask you to just come from your seats. And, and whether you want to come forward up here and, and talk to one of us, we're here. I, I would encourage that. I would highly encourage that for you today. In fact, I hope you come so that we can talk with you more about following Jesus. Will you do that today? In church, will you pray that for those hearts that are not for God today, that as they leave here, they will be for God? That God will do this great work today and there will be true repentance following Christ. Will you pray that right now? Father, we do pray. We pray for those in this room who are not following Christ, Lord, and they're hanging on to something, whatever it may be. Maybe they're afraid to acknowledge their sins, to die to their sin. Lord, today, may they die to being a sinner who is separated from you so that they may live in Christ and have faith and trust in you daily, being brought to you in a right, good relationship. God, please work in this way. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.